I'm Chad. And I'm Cheese. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Our podcast covers news, startups, AI, automation, programmatic, and all the things the kids are excited about. (laughs) And then we drown it with a healthy dose of snark, attitude, and four-letter words. Subscribe to the Chad and Cheese Podcast today wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't judge me, but I read the Harvard Business Review. I admit it. It's right here. It's, it's, I have it. It shows up every month almost, and I, I don't read it cover to cover. I think there's a lot of stuff about supply chain management I could not care less about. But to me, it is a great kind of Rorschach test of not only what businesses are thinking, but really how I'm reacting to how businesses are thinking. So it is a, it's a complicated relationship I have with it. One of the articles from last month's issue with the ballet dancer feet um, the agility, the executive agility or at being agile issue is that the core message was this idea that businesses should be more agile, which of course, duh, uh, right? They should be more flexible. They should be able to be responsive. They should be able to respond to changing events. I don't know, like we've had every 43 seconds here in 2020. I don't know. It's just par for the course these days. Suddenly, let's get everybody who works at your company to get up and go home and do the exact same job from there. What? No, that's not possible. Welcome to 2020. Yeah, yeah, by Tuesday, no big deal. Agility is really important. I get that. I buy that. But what I find so, so very fascinating is that their solution to creating agility is to build structure. Their solution to wanting employees to be more engaged is to build process. Everything is about, I don't trust my employees, I don't trust my staff, I don't trust people as a concept, and let's build structures, process, rules, I don't know, HR teams designed to create, to encourage these things that we want, that as humans, we innately have. Tom Peter said it a long time ago, and it remains true to this day. Corporate America is about spending a lot of money to hire the best and brightest people and asking them to leave their brains at the door when they walk in every morning. Approximately. Why do I bring this up? Well, it's not that I'm against agility because I'm absolutely not. What I wanted to bring up was the idea that this idea that corporate America tries to create these boxes, creates these labels, create these structures. They, ah, I have this very complicated, conceptual, abstract, even almost vague issue, but I know it's on fire and I know I have to deal with it. The solution is buy a platform, hire a consultant, drop some processes on it. Uh, Technology, kabunk, which let's be fair, is just an expensive process. And that's not the right answer. That is almost never the right answer. An organization where people intrinsically, inherently, overtly care about the same thing tend to do better than businesses where people are just showing up because, well, that's how you pay the rent. And they're finding ways to do the least amount of work because it doesn't matter. It's, you know, they're not really engaged right? They're just doing it for the paycheck. They're just doing it because that's what they need to do to live. It's just that simple. If you're engaged, if you care about it, if you're all very interested in the same thing, and I, when I say that, I mean not just saying you're interested in the same thing, and that's a very, very crucial difference, but businesses where everybody's aligned and the culture makes sense and everybody gets what their role is and all that stuff, they do better. It's just that simple. And when we don't get that, we apply structure to it. Employer brand's kind of the same thing. Employer brand's a very conceptual, big, messy idea, and 
Over the last five, 10 years, various companies, various organizations have tried to find ways of saying, hmm, I'm going to make a bucket roughly that shape, define the shape of the bucket, stick employer brand in it, and now the bucket is employer brand. What do I mean? Well, look at Glassdoor. And I've, I've, I rail against Glassdoor in a friendly way because I do know a lot of people over there and generally very smart, very talented people. It's just that they spent 10 years trying to tell the world or rather corporate world that your Glassdoor rating was your employer brand, that the two were not just related, they were the same. And that's wrong. Oh my God, that's wrong on so many different levels. It's absolutely not true. And I know they've since walked that position back because we've all started to realize that, hey, employer brand is not a score. It's something far, 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 far more complicated. Right? But if you can find a way of saying, ah, you have an employer brand problem or you feel like you have an employer brand problem, I can sell you some version of a solution. Simple as that. And it's not the case. Simply put, it's not the case. And I think what's happening is, is over time, employer brand as a concept, as a bucket or the shape of the bucket or how we're using the bucket is changing. And yes, I've got the data to support that. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, that employer branding is evolving as we speak. It's not happening someplace else. It's happening as we speak right now in your company, and you need to be prepared for it when we come back. Welcome to the TalentCast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis. And I've been doing employer brand for years now, and I absolutely love the industry. I love how it's growing. I love how it's changing. And I've tried to do my part to elevate the concept, to get everybody to understand the power employer brand can have in hiring, attracting, and retaining talent. So we try to really focus on driving home the idea that this is a calling and a craft. It's a lot of getting your hands dirty, but it's also a lot of big strategic thinking. And that's where we kind of live, that kind of uh, Venn diagram, the intersection between those the big ideas and the getting the details right. So we talk a lot about employer brand and how to do it right and how to think about it and how to look at your problems in a whole new way. Ready to rock? One, two, three, let's go. Hey, James Ellis here recording live from Chicago and housekeeping. A couple of things. Obviously, the newsletter is a big deal. It's still chugging along. You know, we're about to hit a year on that thing. I'm amazed. Uh, almost 52 episodes, editions, issues, whatever you want to call them. So if you want weekly headlines about what's going on in employer brands, some good notes, some good ideas, some good tips, just go to employerbrand.news, click the link. It's free. There's not a lot of pitching in it. Don't worry about it. Nobody pays me for this. There you go. It's free. Otherwise, yeah, if you have, if you've had a chance to take a look at, uh, Talent Chooses You, my book about employer brand, please leave me an Amazon review. That would be amazing. I am, I got <laughs> my first uh, Goodreads review the other day. And yes, I know who you are because we're sort of connected. And I mean, you know, why wouldn't we be? Uh, thank you for that. That was amazing. It was just kind of stunning to see. I just opened up Goodreads because I'm like, oh, what am I going to read now? I got looked for something. I finished my series of fiction books and I'm like, yeah, that was really cool. What's next? And I'm like, hey, wait a second. Someone reviewed my book. That's nuts. The world is a crazy place, folks. So if you haven't read the book, go to uh, Amazon. Talent Chooses You. It's right there. It's as cheap as I can make it. Hopefully, you'll enjoy it. Otherwise, if you have read it, leave me a review. That would be amazing. I would really, really appreciate it. And frankly, that's how Amazon knows that this is a book of any kind of quality and actually shares it out. Any other housekeeping notes? Yes. So if you're a fan of the podcast, you're probably a fan of someone named Torin Ellis. 
no relation. Uh, he has been a guest on this podcast, if guest is the right word for this sort of thing I do. I don't like to interview people. You know that. And But he's a friend of mine. And we've been friends for a couple of years now. And he got, you know he was able to kind of spend some time with me. And we chatted DNI stuff and employer brand stuff. And it was great. Uh, the day job is putting together a webinar about DNI data. And I brought Torin in. And Torin and I and my uh, a friend Gabe Hitt, who you may not know because he's incredibly smart, but relatively quiet. He's not big on social media. In fact, I don't know if he listens to this podcast. If you are, hey, Gabe. Uh, the three of us are going to hunger down and talk about data in, in DNI. And I want to kind of just give a little asterisk by saying it's not about, hey, here's the KPIs you should set. It's about, hey, KPIs are dumb. Here's how to make change. And that's really what it's all about. So if you're interested in the DNI conversation, the diversity and inclusion conversation, and you want to make a change, that's the webinar to be in. I will put a link in the show notes. Uh, otherwise, yeah, there you go. So that's the housekeeping. Ta-dum, ta-dum, ta-dum. Yes, that's it. So let's get back to evolution. So yes, so let me let me just kind of put a big old parentheses or parenthetical uh, section here by saying I don't very often talk about the day job. Good old Universum. We have a lot of data. This isn't a pitchy podcast. It's not that sort of thing. But there's a lot of overlap between what I see at work and what I get to learn from work because I have access to some, some of the world's biggest talent brand, employer brand, um, corporate kind of thinking and I like bringing it to you when it makes sense, right? There's, you know, obviously there's stuff about specific companies I can't bring you, but we do massive surveys, you know, some of them involving thousands of companies and I learn things and I want to bring them to you. And one of the things that has come out recently out of a thing called EB Now 2020, which is the state of employer brand. And if you just Google it, it's right there, easy to find. And it's a free report. Don't worry about it. Go get it. One of the interesting things I found was it last year, employer brands seem to be the, if not the most important, then one of the most important drivers in corporate America, right? They knew they needed talent. They knew that more recruiters and more recruiting was just kind of running the standstill kind of situation. They knew they had needed a better strategy. They knew they needed to invest in it. Maybe they had a sense that a stronger employer brand actually supports a stronger corporate brand and a stronger corporate marketing. Maybe they got that. Maybe they didn't. But they very much said, cross the board, employer brand's a big deal. Maybe they knew how to deal with it. Maybe they knew how to work with it. Maybe they knew how to invest with it, but maybe they didn't. But they knew it was important. In the same way that I know that, you know, losing 10 pounds after this COVID-19 hit us is probably important. That said, I had a bite of cookie today. So maybe it's not, you know, maybe I'm not taking action on the thing I find important. Too much picture of my day in my life. There you have it. Welcome to COVID down. Anyway, this year, the number shifted. And I was really surprised because I thought that having built on years of Harvard Business Review type articles and mentions and, and, and you know the social media chatter about employer brands really powerful and really popular and very useful and it's evolving, it's growing, it's becoming stronger and smarter, et cetera, et cetera. It's more strategic than tactical and recruiting is all full of tactics. So this is an el- a way to elevate your game, so to speak. Then I thought we'd keep going and I misjudged. I missed, <laughs> I missed it completely. And what we're seeing in the data is that, yes, companies still think it's important, but it's no longer predominantly the or one of the number one things driving companies. It's still useful. It's still valuable. But clearly, the brakes have come off. Other things have come up. And the survey definitely overlapped COVID. Uh, during, you know, it certainly overlapped the lockdown in uh, most countries. 
China's is I always forget that China's lockdown predated you know the U.S. and the and, and EMEA's uh, lockdown by months. So their lockdown happened way earlier than ours. Companies are saying that the most important thing is no longer employer brand. What they're saying is is that it's employee engagement, it's employee advocacy, it is retention, it is wait wait hold on hold on hold on. I'm confused. Aren't those things, employee engagement, employee advocacy, retention, aren't those employer brander things? Well, yeah, they are, absolutely are. But again, that goes back to this idea of the shape of the bucket. If you define employer brand as this thing where I'm going to put out messages, and, and to be fair, I think in the States, there is a lot of overlap between recruitment marketing and employer brand. And I think there's a lot of gray area and not everyone draws the line very clearly between those two ideas. That for a lot of companies, employer brand is make me some tweets, uh, go find some pretty pictures to stick on Instagram, go fill up a content calendar and uh, see what you can do to push the uh, Glassdoor score up. Yes, right? It's, it's, it's still there. Oh, oh, my, my favorite. Can you manage our t-shirt supply? Yeah, go be your, your swag maven. Yeah, that's a great idea. And, and, and companies, a lot of companies, a lot of companies still think that is an appropriate way to frame the concept of employer brand. And it's not. Not even by a long shot. Employer brand is conceptual and every company comes to it differently. And if you're a company with no reach and you're a company with no brand awareness, okay, yeah, make a lot of tweets, make a lot of content, bang the drum, grow your brand awareness. People know you, people don't like you, you've got a sentiment problem, you've got a consideration problem, okay, great. Build some you know, uh, responsive content around those ideas. Look at your entire ecosystem. Look for places people are absorbing information about your brand and using it to develop their own sense of what it's like to work for you because that's, we, that's, that is what employer brand is. It's the sense of what it's like to work for you. We've talked about that, we've talked about that many times. But for so many companies that are growing, evolving, who have found smart people like yourselves who are into employer brand, who are listening to the podcast and reading the articles and invol involving yourselves in the forums and the, and the conversations and the conferences and all that stuff, you're starting to realize that or frankly, or you always realize an employer brand was about employee engagement. It was about retention. It was about advocacy. It was about encouraging people to stand up and say, no, no. You may or may not like this, but this is what it's like to work in the company. Good, bad, all, you know, and indifferent, all the middle, the warts and all, the whole, this is, this is what it's like. This is the real deal. This is the straight scoop from the horse's mouth. That's like seven metaphors, right? analogies right there all at once. Or similes, I think those technically are. Anyway, right? That's the, you know, that we know that without advocacy, we know without employee engagement, you can't create an, a, a valuable employer brand when your employees don't give a rat's ass about working there, when there's no engagement, right? Your employer brand could be, you know, Slacker Town USA. It's, hey, come join this company. Nobody gives a crap. I mean, I, I guess it's a valid position. I just don't know many people who are like, yeah, I want to work for a company where I don't have to give a crap. Well, that's not true. There are, but they're usually not framed that way. They're usually framed around stability and, uh, uh, you know, lack of change, right? The the uh, state government, DMV, post office kind of situation where you're like, hey, look, show up for eight and a half hours, eat your lunch in the middle of it, go home, turn your brain off. That's totally fine. They don't have to be engaged, but at some point I have to imagine, in fact, I know for a fact that there are plenty of people who love to work at those places because they can say, okay, I'm doing my part. I'm doing my job. 
I don't have to be responsible for every little decision being made at the top level. I don't have to worry about strategic decisions because I'm uncomfortable worrying about that. But someone tells me what my area of responsibility is, what my tasks are, what my, my expectations are, and I will meet them. And then at five o'clock when the whistle blows, proverbial, 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 proverbially, <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. When the whistle blows, proverbially, right, um, I get to go home and not think about work till the next day. And they love that. They're thrilled that that's a completely valid way to, to collect enough money and to collect enough resources to pay their bills and do the other thing they want to do with their life, whether it's watching Netflix or writing poetry or whatever it is, right? I'm not going to say we're, you know, all these people are lazy bums. Many of them have outside jobs or side hustles or dream kind of gigs or, you know, they're trying to put together their improv group. I'm from Chicago. I, I reference improv a lot. That's fine. Great. Good for them. And that's fantastic. But if your employee employee base is not at all engaged, that's an employer brand problem because without an engaged employee base, you have functionally no employer brand. So to say that I don't care about employer brand, but I care about employee engagement is a very interesting way of looking at the problem. To say that I care about retention, but I don't care about employer brand really misses the point. To say that I care about employee advocacy, but I'm not going to give any structure or messaging around what they should be advocating and to whom and for whom they should be advocating, what the heck's going on there? So to me, the data is becoming more clear. Now, obviously, it's a slow-moving data set. Companies are changing all the time. You know, We won't collect the, these kinds of surveys for another uh, nine months. It'll be interesting to see how the pendulum swings back or how far it swings back from COVID to say, okay, was that a, a reactionary response, like a, an adrenaline response for seeing something scary or seeing a crisis? Or was it, nope, this is where we, do, we are now. We're always tense. No one sleeps very well. And everybody works from home 12 hours a day and, and more than they expected to because no one knows what the hell's going on. Is that the new normal? Or are we going to kind of find a middle ground? What's the, what are we doing here, right? That's the thing. We don't know where the, you know, these are, these are data points and they're not validated yet. We can't see if this is a trend just yet, but I would suggest that on a lot of levels, advanced companies, larger companies, the ones who care about their brand, it's not so much that they're saying, I don't care as much about my brand. It's that they're starting to evolve their thinking around the concept of employer brand. And it no longer means let's push out some messages on LinkedIn. Let's rewrite some job posts, though, frankly, you should make sure those things are good. But it's about what do we want the employer brand to do? Do we want to attract more people? Do we want to get people more engaged? Do we want them to understand why they should be engaged? Do we want them to stick around longer? Do we want them to talk about – because let's be fair. If you've got an, uh, an engaged employee base and they're advocating correctly, you can stop spending a lot of money on a lot of recruitment marketing. Right? You, you get more authentic you know, messaging from the people who actually work there. And so long as they're aligned, so long as they're well-developed, so long as they're connected to reality and not just say any old bullshit, that is incredibly valuable. In fact, I, I can't even – someone somewhere has some math and some data that says, okay, every good advocacy message, whether it's a Glassdoor post or uh, a social media post or something, has an effective quantified dollar value of how much you'd have to spend on LinkedIn or Indeed or Google or Facebook or wherever to get the exact same amount of interest engagement value, right? There's got to be some way to quantify that. In fact, there's your Glassdoor question. How much money 
does a good Glassdoor post by your employees save you by not having to put as many ads out into Facebook and Google and, and, and the ecosystem, right? That, that would be super interesting data. That's what advocacy is all about. It's about putting those messages, attracting messages to the right audience, to the right people. And we've talked about that sense of desire, right? That this idea of, you know, you want people to want to work for you. Okay. Who are you going to believe? The marketing team who's literally paid to make you think a certain thing, which, okay, good. That sets a stage. But the employees who live it every single day have a far more sense of credibility, a far more sense of authenticity because they've been there, they've seen it, they've done that. So employer brand functionally is evolving. And I think as it evolves, as it embraces more of these things like, let's be fair, as it's more connected to the marketing team, as it is more connected to a corporate consumer brand team. And I'm really hoping that I'm seeing a similar kind of evolution in the HR side, where HR isn't just about how do we write rules? How do we write rules to keep us from getting sued? How do we write rules so that it's easy to fire people when we feel like we need to fire people? Which, by the way, is kind of what HR is all about. It's there to protect the corporate entity, not about protecting the individual employee. Sorry, that's the truth. But it should be evolving in that way where it should be better situated and better positioned to speak the needs of staff to leadership. And I know in a lot of companies, that's that's really what its main driver is, but I don't see it overall. I think that's an, that's an outlier still. I think more and more of it's going to be about how does HR position itself? How does it evolve in the point where it is the voice of staff to people who make decisions and who make power decisions, right? So as these two situations are evolving where HR is no longer about playing defense and saying, how do I keep from getting sued? And how do I make rules so that if somebody breaks them, I have deniability and I can fire their butt super fast and without any concern with getting sued for having fired them, et cetera, et cetera. And more about how do I make these people want to work here? How do I help them understand what they're doing and how what they do helps drive the broad company? Everybody wants to feel like their work matters. If you don't think your work matters, how in the world can you expect anyone to feel engaged? And that's unfortunately why you have beer pong and beer Fridays and free chips and dips and whatever. It's the freebies to pretend, hey, this will make you happy. But it's a lot like, you know, eating a candy bar or a cookie where you're saying, ah, it's a sugar rush. You're like, ah, I feel low. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. I'll eat a cookie. I'll eat something with sugar. And you're like, okay, that's, that's a jolt I needed to get through the day. Except half an hour later, you feel worse. The sugar rush drops. And that's what a lot of these so-called perks and that's what a lot of these so-called ideas around engagement are. They're just sugar rushes and they have the functional lasting value of your average house fly instead of saying, what do people really want? Because that's really messy. That's really scary. You want people to want to work there. You want people to understand what their expectations are, to understand what is expected of them as employees, what they can expect. You know, again, going back to Harvard Business Review, they have a case study in the back. It's, it's hypothetical, but I thought it was really well written. But this idea of someone coming and saying, I've got a better job someplace else, should you as the manager in that situation, should you offer a counteroffer? And the right answer is by the time that person says, I got an offer and I think I'm going to take it, it's way too late. You should have long ago said, hey, what are you looking for? Where are you going? Where are you growing? How can I help? What is your long-term path? How can you keep that long-term path in this company for as long as possible? When employees don't think that their work matters, when they don't see how they're growing, when they don't see how they're moving forward, and whatever frame of mind that is, whether it's money or leadership or position or title or skill sets or whatever it is, if they don't see that they're progressing, 
the atrophy around their interest in showing up for work every day is quite clear. And the occasional Halloween party ain't gonna fix it, right? That'd be crazy. To, it'd be crazy if it did. And yet somehow that's a lot of our, our solutions. Quick party planning committee. Quick, let's go on picnic. Quick, let's do a, a ropes exercise, a ropes course. Is that just in the 80s and 90s? Okay, fine. But that's the thing. HR is evolving to be more about the people, to understand the people, to understand how to connect people to their jobs. Employer brand is evolving, so it is as much about the brand as everything. So everybody's evolving and shifting. I have to imagine over in the marketing world, they're having similar podcasts where people who sound remarkably like me are saying, we have got to figure out how to evolve into involving our people into our marketing campaign because it turns out we've hired thousands of people and they can be communicating our, our corporate message and our consumer message and they can be our advocates and they can talk about what it's like to own these products because they made them. I have to imagine there's all these shifting pieces happening at once. And much like a good soap opera, though that's a, is that possible? Is there such a thing as a good soap opera? How about the first two or three seasons of, of House of Cards, right? Where all these pieces are moving in the same time. It's not always obvious, or the first couple of seasons of Game of Thrones, or whatever's really convoluted from a political standpoint, where all, you know, there's all these agendas happening at once. How do you kind of take advantage of the fact that all the agendas are shifting and all the expectations are shifting and everybody's looking at everybody else's team going, how do I take more of that and boil it into what we're doing uh, and make it make our own KPIs, our own metrics, our own things we're evaluated on work better? And the answer is, as always, integration. I mean, I know it's a simple word. Well, it's not. It's like four syllables. Integration. Yeah, four syllables. And it's a complicated word. And if you can drop it on Scrabble, good for you. But if you can figure out and you can kind of build relationships, and relationships not just in, relationships not just in a, I know how to go and talk to them and bring them a donut and say, hey, can you help me with this thing? Or do you have this problem? And can we figure this out? But more in a, how do we work together on an ongoing basis? Not a project by project basis. Not in a, a how can we solve this problem and never talk to each other again kind of problem. But more in a, look, what I do impacts you. What you do impacts me. And let's be fair. Let's look at HR and see what the heck's going on over there because it seems crazy and different. Let's work together. And if you want to talk about agility in organizations, the mental mindset, I know that's a complicated phrase, but the mindset that says, let's work together to solve the problems. Instead of saying, let's hunker down and just look at our crap and figure out how to solve for our crap. That was a very old way, a very old methodology of getting things done. Organizations do need to be more agile and they do need to be more flexible and they do need to evolve and adjust to changing situations so that they can succeed. And the answer is not to look inward. The answer is to look around. And while leadership might, say, might be saying employer brand isn't as important or the label employer brand might not be as important, what they're saying is all the things employer brand focuses on are more important. We just don't care that it's that label. We have no interest in label applying it. Maybe, maybe employee engagement should live in HR. Maybe brand communication should, even if it's employer brand communication, should live in marketing or comms, right? There's no, nothing wrong with that. There's no value in that. And to say that there's a function called employer brand that 70% of the time it lives inside of talent acquisition, maybe that's a bit of an anachronism. I mean, maybe not that long ago an anachronism, but maybe we've evolved since then. So that's the way the data says that companies are shifting, that they are really looking at what's going on in the world, that they are saying, what do we really want out of this? 
What are the things we want out of those functions and not being beholden to the labels they apply to that function? I think you can see it if you, and you know, and I have friends who are looking for, for jobs and, 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 and we're looking for employer brand jobs and I'm hearing a lot about how if you look on job boards for employer brand jobs, you see a lot more internal comms gigs coming back that these, these job boards are translating, whether intentionally or not, or they're just simply responding to the way the wording is. Employer brand is a function of internal comms and that you're seeing fewer employer brand jobs posted but lots more internal comms jobs posted whose job descriptions very closely matches that of your typical employer brander. So that's what I want to talk about. There is a lot of evolution happening. There, it's not about an answer. It's not about, okay, the answer is 17. Go, go forth and, and plug 17 into the equation. But simply to say, we're all looking to integrate these things. We're all looking to integrate these ideas. We, you should be a part of that. You should step up and, and, and spark that integration wherever you can, that your boss will value the fact that you said, hey, this, there's a better way to do this. Let's do this together. And that's really what they're looking for from you. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Oh, uh, other housekeeping note. We have confirmation. My, 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 I'm trying to get two more friends on the podcast uh, before I hit 200 episodes, and the first one has confirmed. So ready for the tease? Airplanes. Yes, that's right. Airplanes and airlines. Yes. Yes, I'm super excited. No, I'm not going to tell you who it is. Uh, I'll talk to you next week. Bye. This has been an episode of The Talent Cast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you'd like to get in touch with me, a couple ways to do that. Obviously, there's Twitter, at The War for Talent. You can go to the podcast website at thetalentcast.com. If you'd like to stay up to date on the news of this industry and what's going on, just go to employerbrand.news and sign up for the email newsletter with lots of news and links to other places. If you just want to connect with me on LinkedIn, just say hello or let's just talk. That's linkedin.com slash in slash the war for talent. Or I bet if you just search for James Ellis, I'd pop up pretty quick. Otherwise, if you have any questions, concerns, considerations, ideas for podcasts, holler at me, let me know what's going on. Thank you if you've shared it. Please share if you haven't. Rate us, review us. I love all that stuff. It really does help kind of keep the message going and get the message out there. Thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next week. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.